Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am so excited to have Rashida on with me today. You are just one of the most amazing people. And I always say you don't want to have people that are exactly like-minded. You want to have a more like-hearted. And me and you, I feel like we are on the same like heart plane here on our what we talk about, our passions and our goals. So it is such a blessing, I believe, for the audience to hear you speak today, but also it's a blessing for me as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, Emily. It's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I agree with you. From the first moment that we connected, it was sort of an instant um, heart-to-heart connection. And uh, I have one thing to say, actually. You bring out the best in me. Uh, and in, in essence, that's what happens in life, right? You know, you people bring out something in each other and it turns out that actually... I'm a reflection of you and you're a reflection of me. And that's, uh, that's beautiful. Uh, yes. And I love how you said that too. So before I get started into it, I do want to ask people to please continue to like, subscribe and share as our goal is to give you some positivity, but not like the rainbows and butterflies positivity, actual skills and real world experience on things that you can take back to your home, work and play. Cause that's the, the beauty of this is it is about being unapologetically bold for you to be a human because you're a human in all of them. But sometimes we feel like we have to be different in different scenarios. So with that, Shida, what are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for a lot of things, but most of them I'm not sorry for being soft. I love that. So explain that to me what soft means to you whenever you at first hearing that so where where this is coming from actually is really you know in the workplace Uh, we have typically two types of skills hard skills and soft skills and I work from in HR so my background is in HR and um, basically the focus you know the HR has had until now has really been on sort of the technical side of things really you know making people make making sure that people are competent and capable to um, achieve certain objectives and outcomes and really forgetting um, the, the human side of it so the softer skills so to speak and actually for me the softer skills are the harder things and it's actually what we should be focusing on to create a more human um, in, environment and experience in the workplace so my focus in HR is actually to bring love, humanity, and softness um, into everything that we do. So no, I am not sorry for being soft. And the thing that I found is that in this bringing humanity to the workforce and seeing people as humans instead of workhorses that sometimes, and also the aspect of are they human doings? They're not, they're human beings. And so the focus on that, tell me how soft skills have helped in the work that you do and the irony is that i found is that whenever you do the soft skills it actually pays off in the long run and has a higher roi 
um, whenever you look at it. So talk about that for me. Absolutely. I think one of the things is that we, we've, you know, where at least HRs come from typically is from, if you look back, I mean, I've been in HR since 2002 without wishing to give my age away. Uh, and when I started the work, you know, our work was really to uh, more of a protectionist. So it's about ensuring compliance to, uh, you know, to processes and policies. It was about protecting, you know, legal, you know, the legal side of things. It's about really being, you know, protecting of the business and treating and employees were just there to serve the means to profit and shareholder, you know, um, value. Uh, and, and what happens is that, of course, we, we really forgot the, the human side of things uh, and we started focusing too much on sort of the machinery and productivity and all the sort of the output of things. And then we start seeing then, you know, the fact that we then we're standardizing. So it's great to have standards, but standardization, which takes away humanity and takes away individual differences and respect is just not right. You know, so then we see, of course, this this huge rise in mental illness in people basically not being able to stay in jobs. Uh, you know, in lack of sort of uh, disengagement um, and, and the statistics show that, your, you know, your manager is more responsible for your mental health and well-being than your, than your actual doctor, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so for me, it all started with actually when I was introduced to Agile, an Agile way of working about five years ago. I, I deal a lot with projects in HR. I think a lot of everything that we do is a project, has a beginning, mm -hmm. a delivery, it has stakeholders. So I did this Agile project manager, quite technical in focus. But actually, everything about this, the principles were, were, were all about people, people, mm -hmm. you know, over processes, interactions, you know, over sort of, you know, contracts. It was all about um, connecting with one another because everything that we do has a person behind it. Most most mm -hmm. of the things that we do has a person associated to it. So if we're not able to connect to their level, to understand where they are, you know, um, then we're not going to be able to sort of move things along in the right way. And we have typically also very much in organizations, we have the, the, the sort of, we tend to um, manage and focus only on weaknesses. And that is one of the things that I'm really trying to change, start moving towards performance and strengths-based uh, management. Mm -hmm. And that is something that's very unique too, is that you are, and I bet you're not dismissing weaknesses, but that strengths are something that people need to highlight. And how have you found whenever people realize what their strengths are? One, first question is, when do people typically find their strengths? Because it seems like it's later in life, like it's in their 30s or in sometimes 40s for that. Well, I guess, it, you know, I think, you know, strengths, you know, is also is how you see strengths. But also, you know, when you're in a state of flow, you know, mm -hmm. that's really when you're sort of when things are flowing when you're feeling good you know think about sort of our own experiences you know when we're enjoying something you know um then we're playing to our strengths and when we're doing that we're being most productive um so i think it's it's a kind of going from there but there's also the other side of it some people say well you know but i work in a job where actually you know it's it's not really about you know me doing what i love but i also say actually this is about learning to love what you do so find something that allows you to love what you do you know so there's also an element that we also have to quite actively and consciously bring that element into it as well you know mm -hmm. uh, and you know um organizations that basically you know um, enjoy strengths-based uh, management they enjoy more profit better sales higher levels of customer engagement and this is in partly due to the fact that employees feel positive about their performance they're able to work to their strengths they feel more engaged and therefore more passionate about what they do Mm -hmm. 
So this is not to say that, you know, you, we ignore witnesses. We're not saying that. Um, well, you know, it, it's, of course, it's, uh, you know, it's good to improve weaknesses and it's still critical to employee development. But instead of insisting that everyone is basically an all-round great team player in everything that they do, we, we're better off assigning projects to teams where, you know, the responsibilities are basically mapped out according to everyone's strengths. So we're really moving away here then. Now you see the idea is moving away from this individual mm-hmm. uh, you know, performance management to actually teams, moving from teams to, you know, moving away from individuals to teams, basically. And that makes me think of if you, you've gotten an email from me, so you know what my signature says, but it says the kiss of death is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers instead be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. And the focus is, is that everybody has something to give. And it's about individually learning your people, which takes another step. It takes those soft skills. So what are some of your highest or like your top recommendations for new leaders about soft skills? Which ones are you like, oh, this is my go to. Y'all just need to start out with this one. I think the the one, you know, the one which um, so if if we go back to people, right, what drives and motivates people? Because if if we sort of answer the what is the end that we have in mind, right? Um, so what drives and motivates people is actually the fact they to the, the fact that they can make an impact. They want to make an impact. You know, they want to grow and they want to feel like they belong. So purpose. Uh, and all these things are actually um, underpinned by one thing is actually empathy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you understand, when you put yourself in the shoes of, of, of the people that, you know, that you are, um, you know, interacting with. Then you're, you're then you're really creating an inclusion, an inclusive environment. And when you create inclusion, you create belonging. When you create belonging, you, you create you know happiness, uh, and, and that leads to that. What we want essentially is that discretionary effort, and that is basically what distinguishes between you know high performance and you know average performers. Um, so so it's a win-win. I think the starting point really is empathy, and this is where we really need to. And this is very very much tied to emotional intelligence mm-hmm. unfortunately i haven't seen so much emotional intelligence um training um being given that the focus that it needs in organizations and this is particularly important now um since covid and this remote working we're really seeing um the lack of empathy really come up uh, in our organizations and the engagement levels and mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. and that's the thing i feel like this one thing about covid is it's it's ugly in the in its own right, but it's also beautiful on the other end in that it is bringing humanity to the forefront. And there was um, Gallup did research and basically it was saying like the the newest jobs coming out soon. And one of them or majority of them were about well-being or purpose driven or things that are about humanity. And Absolutely. this is something that was really helped me in my shift because you know my background's in engineering and so as an engineer like you design things and people come to you and they're like hey this is this is design wrong you know and as an engineer i need to know what i'm making and how it's meant to be designed but we don't do that with humans and we put them in an engineered environment and it's like hey if you do something wrong it's your fault well can we look and see how we've engineered it if you're putting people that are not to their strengths and you're throwing things or you're promoting people because they're good at hard skills, but then soft skills fall off, it kind of, it hurts in the end. So talk to people about that on why you're not sorry for those soft skills. And, and do you put more importance on soft or hard or how, is that a balance? What, what is that for you? 
I think every, you know everything in life is really about balance, right? Uh, you can't have um, too much of one thing mm-hmm. uh, because every time you have too much of one thing, there's too little of something else. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all you know when we have this sort of one, um, this one size fits all approach um, mm-hmm. to development. Um, then suddenly you start sort of taking away people's you know um, individualities and differences, and this is where basically you start seeing. Um, the lack of equity coming into the workplace. Um, so soft skills really, um, you know, is really about um, ensuring that we're, we're beginning to see people and treating people with the respect that they deserve, to really meeting people where they are. You know, it's about really understanding that, you know, we're all different, um, but we all have the same dreams, hopes, ambitions, but we're also dealing with certain things in our lives. And this is actually what you say, this is what COVID has highlighted, that, you um, uh, you know, the focus in organizations has been a lot about equality, you know, which is about sameness, you know, so basically treating everybody the same and giving everyone access to the same opportunities. But actually, equity is about fairness, because we have to understand that, you know, two team members may be coming into the same, you know, situation or environment with a very different set of circumstances. So if we're able to bring the soft skills into play, into our organizations, into our management and leadership, then we're really able to provide the right kinds of support to our people. You know, we can start filling in the gaps and everyone starts in the the same place uh, and we have a better opportunity to to succeed. What in your experience in the past has this been like the biggest, when was your eye-opening moment that this matters? I think um, for me, it was when I had my daughter. Uh, so this was about five years ago, um, six, now six, actually she's six. So this was about six years ago when I had my child and I kind of realized how the workplace was not really um, designed um, to cater for the minority. So, you know, basically, you know, what are the majority groups, you know, in, in the majority population or representation in the workplace and it's catering for them or the strongest or the loudest. And I felt that those that... Um, you know, so, so the sort of the um, employee um, journey of the minority wasn't taken into account. And I really felt sort of the biggest uh, a shock when I went back into work, because in the Netherlands, maternity leave is only three months. Um, and, you know, your, your hormones are still all over the place. And I know it's not, you know, it's still good compared to other countries. So I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm, from a personal perspective, you know, it was... It was all over the place, very, you know, little support, little understanding, little sort of meeting me, you know, where I was. So I really felt um, the, the unfairness of that. And that's where I realized, actually, I want to change the way that we do things. You know, I work in HR. I need to do a better job. You know, I need mm-hmm. to inspire a better job with this. And I know that a lot of HR gets a flack for them um, being more policing mm-hmm. and in that policy structure. In the new future HR, what are some key principles do you think that they have that they need for leading humanity um, to the next? Because it's like you just said, you're a working mom. You know, life happens. We're human, all of them, and you want us to box it up. What would you say is like some of the big things that you're like, oh, if we could just have this? Or I'm working for I know you're doing some of it now. It's interesting. I, I mean, I've, I've just sort of written um, a chapter of a, of a book that's coming out, you know, which is about agile HR. And it's really talking about sort of the future of work and the future of, of HR, where HR is working, is going towards. 
And you know what you see is that is is there's a renewed urgency here for HR you know leaders to reinvent the future of HR by letting go of legacy models and working in order to actually first and foremost we need to reestablish trust and cooperation within organisations. Mm-hmm. And really important here is to create a sort of continuous learning mindset, which will enable, you know, innovation, agility, flexibility. Um, so, so what this what this sees is actually is placing HR in a central role in the business, not as just a partner or on the periphery or on the outside. It's really as a people coach, centrally in the business as a people coach or consultant. So, mm-hmm. and there are kind of four principles I think we need to consider here. You know, HR is going to be sort of from a coaching perspective, people coaching perspective, going to adhere to four principles, coaching the whole person. And this is really about bringing in your personal and your professional together. We are one people, you know, we are one person at home or at work. So we need to start sort of, you know, accepting this. And when we're talking about development or objectives or setting goals, we need to be doing, you know, we need to be looking at both. We then need to keep it real, really human to human, understanding individual differences, understanding what drives you, what motivates you, but what also the hardships that you're facing? What is your personal situation at home? You know, how, how can I sort of, you know, create more equity, you know, towards you? Then, we, then it's about listening and listening authentically, really, you know, not just listening um, for the sake of listening, but really, you know, being curious, asking the right questions and, and listening deeply. And then we have to partner with managers here. Because we need to ensure that there is alignment when it comes to, you know, coaching employees and developing them. So we have to become very close to them to ensure that we're all com- coming at it from the same perspective. So ultimately, you know, for HR, the future revolves around developing a culture of reflection, empowerment and engagement, you know, for individuals, teams and organizations. I love that. And what do you see how this in essence, because what we talked about earlier is that we know that now that our uh, our work has more impact than our primary care doctor. So what impact do you think this will have on homes mm-hmm. um, whenever people come home from it all? Uh, what, sorry, can you can you explain what impact of what? Sorry. Uh, the impact to the house, to the household, um, to the family, the family dynamics. What do you think it will impact on that whenever HR finally gets to this future, what you had talked about. Um, ah, right. yeah. things. It's a boomerang, right? It's, uh, you know, we seem to sort of forget that, uh, you know, the energy that we, you know, the energy that we have around us sort of stays with us is, you know, whatever we, we, we feel, we, we attract and then we put out there again. So uh, when we finally start seeing people, you know, from, from a people perspective, from an individual perspective and start catering to them and to their needs, what you start seeing is people who are finally, you know, more at ease, more in a state of flow, feeling happier, and they take that back home with them. Uh, and then, because actually, you know, um, organizations and managers have a lot to answer. They have a lot of responsibility for how people show up at home, you know, as a mother, as a father, how much patience we have, how much time we give them. You know, I was reading a book by Raj Tisodi of Conscious, uh, you know, Capitalism, and he actually mm-hmm. talked about how organizations have taken and stripped people away from their roles from home. You know, this whole consultancy model of people have to work away from home for five days or a whole week at a time, taking that away, you know, taking them away from their families. And actually, he says that organizations should be thinking about stakeholders, um, that family members are also stakeholders and they should be part of the whole equation at work as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And they need to be included in the, into this process. So I think, you know, we're starting definitely going to see the, the boomerang effect, because if you're if you're happy at work, 
and you're doing well, you're engaged, you're healthy, you know, the same is going to happen at home. And then that's going to come back to work the next day. And then the cycle just continues. Yes, because that's what I've seen, too, is that a lot of the time things that I teach, I need them personally. But two, it's my kids have taught me so much and how it's been. I can apply it to work environments on how to have fun, how to play and how to be innovative and creative. And I feel like sometimes that's been taken out of work because we just are hard and we we just want to to get it done and be productive and just shoot be a machine almost at times. Yeah. And that's not everybody. And I, and I do want to preface that that is not all companies. A lot of companies are really working hard to get to take this step forward um, in HR, but also in the step forward of how are they impacting their uh, the, their stakeholders? In essence, not just like you said, not just the people, but also their family. So to end on this, what would you say to somebody that keeps apologizing for using soft skills in work? Stop apologizing for using soft skills at work because um, you are basically giving somebody else a voice. You're giving somebody, you know, you're seeing someone, you're feeling and hearing someone, you're making someone feel mattered. And at, at the end of the day, that's all we want, right? We want to we want to be seen, heard, um, and we want to be respected as individuals as, of who we are. So um, give that person the voice, uh, hear them out, um, give them a chance. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was such an amazing talk. And I think it's very important just to note that, yes, we're talking about soft skills. We're not saying that we don't need hard skills. We're saying they are needed. But what we are saying is that soft matters and it needs to come to the forefront. Just as we need IQ, we need EQ and we need to come together with this all. So thank you again. And thank you for everybody that joined us. I hope you have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.